Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. Welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect Podcast, where each week I'm joined by some of the world's most renowned faces in the entertainment industry, on the sports field, corporate leaders, and inspirational thought leaders around the world, each sharing their own truths and personal journeys. Today, we have none other than John Gordon. John's best-selling books and talks have inspired readers and audiences around the world. His principles have been put to the test by numerous Fortune 500 companies, professional and college sports teams, school districts, hospitals, non-for-profits, and more. He's the author of 26 books, including 12 bestsellers and five children's books. His books include the timeless classic, The Energy Bus, which has sold over 2 million copies, The Carpenter, which was a top five business book of the year, Training Camp, The Power of Positive Leadership, The Power of a Positive Team, The Coffee Bean, Stay Positive, and The Garden. John and his tips have been featured on the Today Show, CNN, CNBC, the Golf Channel, Fox and Friends, and in numerous magazines and newspapers. His clients include the Los Angeles Dodgers, Campbell Soup, Dell, Southwest Airlines, Miami Heat, the Los Angeles Rams, Snapchat, Clemson Football, Northwestern Mutual, West Point Academy, and more. One of the things I'm really excited about our audience listening today is that career just sounds absolutely incredible. That trajectory is just a pure highlight. But behind those scenes is a man, a man with emotions and a man of faith, as I've come to find out. And one thing I want to draw your attention to before we introduce John is something that he said. I wasn't always positive. If I didn't change my path of negativity, my life would be very different today. I learned to focus on the positive instead of the negative and live with love instead of fear. Don't allow negativity to sabotage the present and your future. Wow. And we are going to delve deep into that today, guys. So without further ado, John, welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Glenn. Good, good, good. Um, So I'm so excited about this because I've followed your work for such a long time and the trajectory of your career from an external point of view looks absolutely amazing. But what really interests me about you is that you're so transparent. You're a man of faith when it comes to the reality of your life, of the struggles and the vulnerability. So can you, for our audience members, just take us back a little bit? Because I read something in your bio about not always being positive, not being that man that you are today. Yeah, I definitely wasn't the man I am today. I was really negative. I was miserable. My wife had had enough of my negativity. I had just lost my job during the dot-com crash. Didn't know how I was going to pay the bills. I had two little kids and I was really struggling with fear and depression, anxiety. And I was crumbling from the inside out. And I was blaming my wife for why our life was so bad. It was her fault that I wasn't living my dreams. And I was blaming her and she had enough. She's like, I love you, but I'm not going to spend my life with someone who makes me so miserable. Like you need to change. And I needed to change. And that was a great wake up call for me because she was ready to leave and I wanted to stay married. So I began this process of working to become a more positive person. 
it led me to do research on positive psychology. This was during the emerging field of positive psychology. We're talking 2001, 2002. So I'm doing this research, this emerging field. I start practicing some ideas. They work. I start a newsletter where I start sharing these positive tips every week. It leads me to become a writer and speaker. So out of my greatest challenge came my greatest opportunity to make a difference and to impact this world and to find my calling and to find my purpose. But it all started from me being so negative. I really believe we all have to go through a journey and we have to go through our struggle. We have to go through something that's not meant to define us, but that will refine us to be who we're meant to be. And that very thing that you go through, it may be the greatest challenge of your life, but I also believe it's the greatest assignment of your life. Totally agree. I had to go through fitness industry for a long time, went through body dysmorphia, um, came out the other side and literally from it, built the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and took it to the world. So through the hardest lessons become our blessings. But I just wanted to touch on a point there. When you talk about negativity and coming through and almost this, this spiritual journey, you are and you openly speak about you're a man of God. You talk to kingdom men and women. Has that something that's always been with you? There is a movement of God. There is a creator of the universe that wants people to have an impact on this world, to, to, imp to impact the kingdom. And guess what? When you have the kingdom of God inside of you, and everyone does, when you impact people, you're impacting the kingdom. Now, I wasn't always a person of faith, like totally not a person of faith. I grew up in Long Island, New York, Jewish, Italian family, a lot of food, a lot of guilt. My mom was Jewish. My dad was, was Catholic, Italian, but we never went to church. We never went to temple. The only thing we did was celebrate the holidays, but it wasn't from a religious perspective. It was a family and cultural perspective. And so, so doing that and experiencing that, I didn't really know much about religion, but I always felt like there was a God and there was a creator and I always felt like there was a God who loved me. I remember laying on the grass, looking up by myself in the summer, seeing the stars and knowing I was part of something greater than myself and knowing that this was not by accident. This was not just some grand random chance and accident that happened. And that's why we're here. I knew there was something more. And I believe that this God loved me. So I always felt that love. So I was a seeker. In my 20s, I was a new ager. I studied Buddhism, did a lot with meditation and all of that. And that was all wonderful. That was all part of my journey. So I don't judge anybody's faith. I don't judge anybody's religion or where they are on the journey. But I know that we're all moving towards something. Like, for instance, Buddhism is really big on meditating and attaching yourself to nothing like the key to life and the happiness is to not be attached but i believe the key to life and happiness is to be attached to the creator because you're meant to be part of something greater and you're meant to be connected with the creator we all understand oneness it's not nothingness it's actually oneness it's everythingness and so when you're when you're meditating for instance you're meant to connect on god's goodness god's love god's creation god's everything that he created and be thankful for it all. Think about this. As a man thinketh, as a man thinketh, we know from the Bible. Well, guess what? If you think about nothing, then you become what? Nothing. If you meditate on God's goodness, you become good and reflect God's goodness and his character 
If you reflect on love, you become love. So let's reflect on that. Let's meditate on that. Meditation is meant and, and spoken about in the Bible a number of times. So we're meant to meditate on God and his goodness. And so as someone who was on this journey, all of that was very helpful. Like meditation helped me get rid of the negative thoughts and find silence and stillness. But ultimately, when you're there by yourself and you're feeling that stillness, what is it that you're truly connecting to? And to me, as a person of faith, I learned I'm connecting to the creator of the universe who loves me, who has a plan for me, who has a purpose for me, who has a plan and purpose for you, a plan and purpose for every being on the planet. And that being has a choice. That human being has a choice. Am I going to receive God's goodness, receive his grace, receive his love, trust in God, or will I turn my back on him and try to do it alone? And that's our choice. Are we going to be separate and live from a state of separateness or a state of oneness? Separateness is what? Division, weakness, powerlessness. Oneness is connection, unity, power, and strength. So to me, it's all about oneness. And I just wrote a book called The One Truth comes out in June. And the one truth explains that everything ultimately comes down to oneness and separateness. I can explain relationships. I can explain your happiness. I can explain whether you're living a life of purpose. I can explain whether you are focusing on love or fear. All comes down to oneness and separateness. And once you understand there's a God that loves you, a power that's trying to unite you, but there's a force that's always trying to divide you and separate you, then you understand ultimately the existence and the reality that we are living to this day. That there is the part that's the hardest. I always say the lessons that you go through enable you to become the person that God always intended you to become. But the lessons there and relating to your story, um, as I say, things are always put in front of you at the right moment. And when I was obviously, I followed your stuff, but I was just looking for a few talks and there was a TEDx and I looked at the day and it was six years ago and you, had, you, you hadn't done a TEDx talk before and you got in and two hours later, you was up on stage speaking and you said something through it about, as I said at the start, the trajectory of your career and all these books, like best-selling author and everything, but your first book, The Energy Bus, like, as you said, it kind of flopped, but then went bestseller in Korea. And it was 10 years later that it was a bestseller. So can you tell our audience about that? Because I think that's so profound on this entrepreneurial journey, solopreneur, what people want to call it, that it takes time. Yeah, it was a very interesting journey I went on because, so I, I write The Energy Bus and it's the first book I wrote as a person of faith where I'd, I'd been baptized and and really just started to allow God to move through me and work through me. And I'm walking one day, I don't have a book, I don't have anything, the speaking is not going well and nothing's going well. And the idea for the book comes to me on a walk of prayer. And I write the book in three and a half weeks of divine inspiration. So I think, okay, I've got something special here, but it gets rejected by over 30 publishers. So I'm told to give up. I found an agent and even she said, give up, but I couldn't give up because I had a mission and a vision to inspire and encourage as many people as possible, one person at a time. So I was still hoping, still dreaming, still believing. And eventually I'll never forget John Wally and son agreed to publish the book. So now the book's coming out. I'm all excited. I, have, I asked a friend, what should I do? He said, pray. So I prayed for it to be a bestseller. It came out. It was a bestseller in Korea. <laughs> I learned you have to be specific with your prayers. It was like a huge hit <laughs> in yep. South Korea. Huge hit. Not North Korea, but South Korea. But not one bookstore in the United States would carry the book. 
So I go on a 28 city tour paid for by myself. Publisher would even pay for it. Didn't have a ton of money at the time, but I went from city to city and I'm sharing the message in the book. We have five people, one city, 10 people, another, 20, another. The most people we had were hundred people in Des Moines, Iowa. They thought Jeff Gordon was there, the race car driver. That's why they showed up. Not John Gordon, but Jeff Gordon. I remember I got home and I, I didn't know what the future held, but I knew that I had my vision. I had my mission. I just had to show up every day and I had to make a difference. And the really cool thing about it is that on that tour, there was a woman who was at one of my events and only six people were there. But I knew that my purpose was to make a difference with one person at a time. So I literally said, I'm going to impact these six people. They're here. Guess what? I'm going to impact your lives. That person would later become president of Avon and bring me to a huge event and impact 6,000 people at her event years later. It's a great example about doing the work and showing up where you are and making a difference where you are. I was learning the lessons I wrote about in the book. John, is it about being famous or is it about making a difference? Is it about an overnight success or is it about showing up every day with positivity, overcoming negativity and challenges to define yourself and your team's success? Am I going to do it with love and with purpose? Am I going to enjoy the ride and, and make the most of it? Everything I wrote in that book, I was now having to live and breathe in my own journey, my own life. And then doing it day in and day out, Jack Del Rio reads the book, the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars at the time. And then the Atlanta Falcons coach, Mike Smith, brought it to his team with me to speak. And then all these different sports teams started inviting me to speak. Principals of school districts were, were of schools and superintendents of districts were bringing me in to speak and corporate leaders and business leaders were bringing me into the speak of their businesses after reading the book. It started to just get passed around. It started to spread the energy bus, right? Get on the bus, 10 rules to fuel your life, work and team with positive energy. No one was talking about positive energy back then. We're talking 2007. Now everyone is. So it was really ahead of its time in many ways. And then it took about not 10 years, but five, six years before it became a bestseller. And I'll never forget the first time Wall Street Journal bestseller, like five or six years later. And then it's hit the list numerous times, gone on to sell over 3 million copies. All my books together have now sold over 5 million copies. Wow. And I get to work with many of the greatest leaders, the greatest companies, the greatest sports teams on the planet doing this work and the greatest entrepreneurs. And it's what I love to do. Now I'm a person of faith, but, but it influences how I do things, but my principles that lead teams and organizations allow them to be very successful because they're based on these foundational principles of success that are also godly principles. And if you apply these principles to your life, you're going to be successful. Like if you invest in the root, you're going to get a great supply of fruit. So often we focus on the fruit of the tree, the outcome, the numbers, the stock price, the wins and losses. And if we ignore the root, the tree dies. And that's what happens in many cases. But your culture is your root. Your purpose is your root. Your people that you lead are your root. Your relationships with them are the root. And if you invest in those, you're going to get a great supply of fruit. So principles like that allow me to help teams be great. I talk to them about communication. Where there's a void in communication, negativity fills it. So guess what? Let's fill the void with great communication. So negativity cannot breed and grow. And if we do that, we'll be successful. A lot of my work is helping teams and organizations lead with positivity and build a positive culture, a positive team, positive relationships, positive mental attitude, mindset that allows us to overcome the negativity, the adversity, and the challenges. Really cool. I just got an email yesterday from Les Schwab Tire, a woman that was a manager in the audience. We're talking probably 15 years ago. 
I spoke at this event and she literally just emailed me and said, I remember you coming all these years. I've heard tons of motivational speakers. You're the only one that literally changed my life forever because you helped me become more positive instead of tuning into all the negative that I was tuning into on a daily basis. And now I've become more positive. My husband passed away three years ago. And even though I dealt with that, I still find all the good that he brought to our lives and all the memories. And I focus on that. Like that was like one of the best emails ever because you know and you can see the impact you had all these years and you don't even realize or sometimes know that people are listening or they're following you or you don't know the impact you had. And when someone reaches out to you after all these years, you know, okay, I'm on the right path. I think that's that sowing seeds. You don't realize it until it comes to fruition all that time. But one of the voids that I really want to want to dispel is, so when you lost your job years ago in e-com, when people are going through mental health and they're in this negative space and they're looking and they're looking at John and they're looking at John from the now and going, oh, is this prolific speaker and author and that could never be me. I always try and bring it back every conversation that I have. And I actually say with what I've built and took something within 12 months without knowing how or the experience, I was unassuming or unqualified to do what I've done, which is my testimony to God. Was you, in terms of the work ethic, you knew how to get yourself out there, you knew everything around it, or did you just surrender to that process and it eventuated? Because there's a lot of people obviously thinking, oh, well, John's up there. He must have known how to do this, this, and this, and this. So You have to know what it is you truly want. And I remember saying, what is my purpose? Why am I here? And I cried out to God, God, what is my purpose? Why am I so miserable? And writing and speaking came to me. And once I knew that, I knew I was going to pursue this and I was going to do it until I was successful. I didn't have a choice. There were no other options. I know this is knew this is what I was going to do. Now, I was good at marketing myself and I'm, I'm very good at branding and marketing and I have a lot of ideas and they come to me all the time. Again, I truly believe because they're from God. The more I surrender, the more I trust, the ideas flow. They come. When you surrender... When you develop a relationship with the creator who created you for a purpose, on purpose, what happens is God starts to reveal your purpose to you and he gives you the ideas that he wants you to have to do the work you're meant to do. It's really simple. You're not meant to do life alone. By yourself, when you're separate, you're weak and you're powerless. When you're connected to the creator, you are powerful. It's so simple. Why would you want to go through life alone and weak? I would want to go through life powerful. And you're meant to go through life powerful. You're not meant to go through life insecure, fearful, and having doubt. Think about it. You're not meant to have doubt. We have doubt because of the battle of our mind that's always coming in because there's these thoughts that are always coming in bringing doubt to us, making us doubt ourselves, doubting our identity, doubting our success, doubting what we're here to do. Do I still have doubts? Yes, but I know they're not for me. Because why would I ever choose doubt? Why would I ever choose a negative thought? Would I ever choose one that sabotaged me? Would you ever choose a negative thought that sabotaged you? This blows people away when you ask them, hey, your negative thoughts come from you? And they say, yes. And then you say, really? Would you ever choose a negative thought? And they're like, no, I wouldn't. See, it comes in, you believe it's from you. So you believe it and it's a lie. Then you reinforce it. Then you speak it out loud again. Then it becomes a part of you. And now you're choosing it. You're choosing the second thought. You don't choose the first thought, but you're choosing the second thought. And so you have the power to take every thought captive and choose the thoughts that you want to live by and how you want to approach life. And that's what I did. I really started focusing on the positive thoughts. I started to speak life, words of encouragement. This is all in my new book, The One Truth. 
comes out in June. I cannot wait for people to read it because I teach people how to tune, T-U-N-E, tune into the positive instead of the negative because the brain is really an antenna. God showed me that one day when I was walking. I literally heard the brain's an antenna. I'm like, what? And I researched it and not a lot of people are talking about it, but more will be talking about it because it is. Every neuron in your brain has a transmitter and receiver on it. So you're always tuning into positive or negative frequencies and you can tune into the positive, elevate your thinking. So here's tune, trust in truth, unite with love because love casts out fear, neutralize the negativity because you have to neutralize it on a daily basis. Gandhi said, I will not let anyone walk through my mind with their dirty feet. So don't allow anyone or any thoughts to walk through your mind. And then E, elevate your thinking every day with gratitude. When you appreciate, you elevate. Elevate it with talking to yourself instead of listening to yourself with positive thinking. Elevate it with belief and optimism. What is it you want to create? What do you want to build? And start believing it is possible. So every day I was taking these walks and I was saying, I believe that great things are happening. I accept all the people that want to work with me and benefit from my gifts and talents. And it was not an overnight success. It was a journey. And that's what people need to understand. They look at my life now, man, I want to be you. You have to work really hard every single day. You have to tune into the positive every day. You have to overcome the fear and the doubt and the insecurity and the attacks on your identity that says, who are you to be doing this? To overcome then, to, to, to overcome and become someone who then makes a difference in the lives of others. There are many times I felt unworthy. And then I would say this, all right, God, I feel unworthy, but guess what? I'm worthy in you. I'm worthy enough to make a difference because it's not about me. It's really about helping others. I'm going to focus on that. That took me out of myself and helped me focus on making a difference in the lives of others. You will go through this journey and you'll be tested. Is it really about you or is it about others? Do you really want this? Mm. Everybody will face a worthy opponent on their journey. The worthy opponent could be a rival. It could be an obstacle or it could be the devil himself. And you will face the worthy opponent that tests you, that tries to sabotage you, that battles you. But guess what it does? It makes you stronger along the way. And God allows you to have the worthy opponent. That's what's wild. Yeah. He allows you to have worthy opponents because he knows you have to become stronger. And by facing that day in and day out, it makes you stronger. My God. I'll say amen to that. I've had my fair share of uh, <laughs> those worthy opponents. And I'm just like, he placed on my heart what, what this was. And there was never this thing about everyone's going because it blew up. Are you a non-for-profit? Are you a charity? Something within me, and I'll draw back to what you said about this antenna when you hear from God. Friends used to laugh at me because I'd be expecting God like with the red carpet and speaking to me. <laughs> like, and they were like, no, Glenn, it's internal. And I was like, yes. well, I can't hear anything. But um, he always- I get downloads. I get downloads. I get downloads. That's so Well, me, I see people's auras and I get messages for people. So wow. that worked with me. So yeah, with wow. you sat there, all I can see is this bright white all the way around you. And people are like, really? I'm like, it distracts me from looking at the person because all I can see is colors. So, which is amazing, but that's come. And I was always expecting like, I'd hear verbally, <laughs> like, and I'd be like, what? And he always put into me, do not go down the charity route. And I couldn't understand why. And then out of the blue, I got a position with a non-for-profit. I saw why it was revealed. So as you said, each step is the way. But when it comes to all the people that you lead in terms of leadership, and, and you're in front of a lot of sports teams and a lot of men, I heard recently while she was talking to your good friend, Ed, about three times that you've cried and shared your vulnerability. But what that did inside of you, it enabled you to 
reveal yourself even more and, and find openness. Can you just explain that a little bit? Because there's a lot of men who obviously have the old school mentality of you'll be fine, like man up. Yeah, just man up, suck it up, just put some dirt on it, you'll be fine. Yeah. And I grew up with a dad who was a New York City police officer, undercover narcotics. Wow. I mean, he was a badass. He was a badass. I mean, literally, he's 70 years old and he's getting to a fight at the Super Bowl with a guy who was being drunken and, and belligerent. <laughs> and my dad tried to calm him down because my dad's a former cop and the guy berated my dad. So my dad clocks him like, this is my dad, right? So I grew up with a tough dad and I grew up tough fighting. I was a division one athlete. You know, we play a sports, I can hit you hard. I was, uh, you know, we want to box, I'll box you right now. But one thing I understand, one thing I understand is that Vulnerability is real strength. It's it's real power. And I am imperfectly perfect. I am very imperfect. We all have a hole in our soul. We all have a wound that needs to be healed. Everyone does. And that wound often comes about when you're a child or at some point in your life. And we carry that wound around with us. And the more you are honest about the wound and you reveal it, and you allow love and forgiveness to come in, that allows healing to take place. And once you understand this, this is how you can actually transform yourself and the world. So I know that I have these wounds. I know they need to be healed. And God is always in the business of healing us on our journey. A lot of times we don't want to be healed because it's painful. You expose the wound and it's like, oh, this is so painful, just like a real wound is. And it's so hard to go through it, but it has to happen for healing to take place. And we never want to expose it. We cover it up. We drink. We do too much drugs. We do too much alcohol. We do all. We escape with video games. We do all these things to deal with the hole in our soul instead of truly addressing it and healing it. We choose relief instead of restoration. We choose the temporary instead of the eternal essence of healing. And this is what we truly need. And I know that. So for me, yeah, I cried with, with Ed at his event before I spoke, after he spoke, his talk about his dad just inspired me greatly. And I just felt this incredible like wave come over me of emotions. And I knew in that moment, my soul was literally opening up. The wounds were exposed, but healing was happening in that moment. And we cry, we weep a lot of times. And that weeping is literally the soul, it's these soulful emotions that the body is just experiencing and reacting to. It's its beyond body. It's literally soulful. And that's why we can't control it. It's something deeper, something greater that we can't even really truly comprehend. And that was one of those moments. Crying with my son when he was struggling during the, the pandemic was another moment. Crying when my dad passed away and when my parents both passed away, those were moments. And so, you know, revealing your hurts and your pains is all part of the healing process. And it's great to talk about it. It's great to share it. And the more you do and the more you're open about it, that allows the healing to take place. What we uncover, God covers with his grace and his love. What we try to cover up, eventually God will uncover. And when he uncovers it, it's not gonna be pretty. So I'd rather uncover it and let God take care of it. So I'm really good knowing that I am an imperfect human being, but I'm always thankful for a perfect God and his perfect plan for my life. And he uses my imperfection for ultimately a greater purpose. Love that. Love that. I think that's absolutely amazing. And guys, 
I'm going to be posting all the links where you can find John. Um, tell us what's next for you. I know your new book's coming out shortly, but are you doing some more speaking engagements? Are you coming over to Australia? I'd love to come to Australia. I haven't been invited yet to speak there in an event. It's got to be an event that brings me over. I was in Dublin for Dell and I spoke there with Dell. I was in Singapore with Dell, speaking with them and their organization. Would love to come to Australia. I think a few coaching groups have reached out to, to have me come over, but it has to be a, the right budget for me to leave the, the United States and all the events <laughs> yep. I have here to come there. But, but I am passionate about reaching people worldwide. My daughter is now speaking on my material and she loves to travel worldwide. So she's actually very excited about going around the country. She's 24. She's a dynamic speaker. It's amazing how she started doing this. But in terms of me, like I'm, I'm speaking all the time. It's not like I, I, I don't go on tours. I literally have events booked every yep. month out of the year with companies and organizations and school districts and sports teams. And we're always scheduling these events that come up as well as our own leadership training events that we have. And I'm also doing an event with Patrick Lencioni who wrote five dysfunctions of a team and the advantage and other books. We are doing an event together in Dallas, November 2nd, just he and I 75 top leaders from around the country and, and the world of people from around the world want to come. And it's going to be an exclusive gathering of leaders talking about key issues key challenges, how to better lead our teams, our organizations, our families, and to grow. I'm really excited about uh, about the event that we're doing there. So I'm always doing events. The One Truth coming out, really excited about that. It's going to make such a huge impact when people understand oneness and separateness. They're going to look at yep. integrity and realize integrity comes from the word integer, which means whole and complete. As a leader, when you have wholeness and completeness, you have integrity, you are a stronger, more powerful leader. A leader, who, leader who's a narcissist, actually believes they're separate. And so because they believe they're separate, they focus on self, not others. They feel powerless. So they focus on self to try to find some semblance of power. And yet they're not connected to the greater power. And it's why they're such a weak leader. They look like they're powerful, but they're actually very weak. Leaders with egos, same thing. Ego stands for edging God out. A leader with an ego actually feels separate. So they're not really powerful. A leader with humility doesn't seem like they're very powerful, but they actually are very powerful. And I'm not talking about humility and weakness. I'm talking about humility and confidence, humility and power and strength, knowing where their strength and power and wisdom comes from. And once you lead that way, you're so much more powerful. The oneness of a team is more powerful than a team that is divided and separate. So I give all these different examples in the new book that explains like, once you understand and see how it plays out, you're literally going to become a Jedi in this world. <laughs> and you're going to have like these, these eyes to see, and you're going to be given almost like a, a head up on everyone else, knowing how things are playing out and how to, how to create a life that is focused on oneness instead of separateness. Wow. Well, guys, I'm going to put all the links up to where you can find John and make sure you grab that new book. And I just want to finish by saying, I just love the fact that you speak about the events and how booked you are out now, because knowing your story and the Korean trip, you self-funded all that. So you've come a long <laughs> way. I, I absolutely love that. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I, I am very, I'm very thankful for all the companies and organizations that, that bring me in to speak. It, 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 it makes me like blow my mind growing up where I grew up. My parents never made more than $30,000 a year. And so I make more in one speech than my parents made in two years of, of working. And that really blows my mind. And I'm very, I don't take that lightly. I'm very thankful for that. And I give a lot to charity. My wife and I are very generous. We give a ton away to charity. 
and we're always looking to do good and and make an impact because we know how grateful we are and how fortunate we are. But we also know that it was a journey. I credit all to God, but I know that I work my butt off every single day and still do to this day. I don't take a day off. I'm always working hard. And and what I believe is you have to you have to work like it depends on you, and then you you pray like it depends on God. And I think if you do both, I think that's a key recipe for success in your life. So people can find me at johngordon.com, J-O-N-Gordon.com. We got a free action plan on my website. Just go there and you'll get a seven-step action plan if you want to start implementing some of these ideas. And then also Twitter, Instagram, at J-O-N-Gordon11. So, hey, I love your title, and Perfectly Perfect. Amazing, Glenn. It was really an honor to be with you. Honor to be with you as well. So guys, just remember, find out where you can get John. All the links will be up, as I said. But remember the thing about Imperfectly Perfect Campaign is to have these hard conversations because it is the hard conversations that save lives. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.